Isn't this a great book, the Gospel of John? My, 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 my. We're in the 14th chapter, a massive, massive chapter theologically. And uh, last week we talked about uh, my chair. my home and the home we have in heaven with the Lord so we're in the 14th chapter and I want to pick that up in verse 5 and continue to to talk about that so let's stand together for the reading of God's Word Thomas said to him Lord we don't know where you're going. You remember Jesus said, you, we're, we're going here. And he said, well, we don't, we don't really know where we're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? You may be seated. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Powerful. It's powerful. Now, what we're talking about this week naturally flows from last week because he's talking about this place prepared, right? And so Philip is saying, you know, well, how, we, how do we get to that place? And so this is a natural progression theologically. And what uh, I'm not going to talk about chairs in my house and whatnot. This is the, today you're just getting pure theology because it's so massive. Just pure theology. And, uh, and this, again, naturally flows from last week, the Father's house. Over the past year and a half, When we began all this uh, some time ago, when we started with the first chapter of John, we looked at the life of Christ, and we saw he was a great teacher, and we looked at all those things. He told people to love one another. He was kind to the poor. He healed the sick. He fed those who were hungry. But if we look at history, lots of people in history have said, let's love each other. Let's just love each other. Lots of people cared for the sick and were kind to the poor and so forth. So how did Jesus become the most influential figure in the history of the world? It's not because of the uncontroversial things. It's because of statements like this, outrageous statements, and people go crazy about this passage of Scripture get hostile because of this passage of Scripture. So let's, let's pause just for a moment before we come to that. Father, we're thankful for your word. Every bit of it. The difficult sayings, the hard sayings of the Lord, and the sweet sayings. We love the house prepared. 
We love that there's heaven. And our, our, our souls just fly to that. And now we, we look at what Jesus says about heaven and how heaven is appropriated into our lives. So we pray, Lord, that you speak to us this morning from this passage of Scripture. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. These words show you the difference between Jesus and everybody else. You can't come to grips with Jesus unless you come to grips with the hard words of the Lord. And this is perhaps the most outrageous of all. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's take a look at this. And, uh, uh, but it has caused many people to say, no way, no way. You know, what are you talking about? This, this doesn't, there, there's no way. And then others would say, no way Jesus ever claimed this. Jesus wouldn't say something like this. Yeah, we like Jesus, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't say something hard like this. The Eastern understanding of God is that God is a life force of nature, and uh, he doesn't exist apart from nature. He's part of nature. And, but the Hebrews said, no, no, God exists above nature. God exists before nature. God created nature. He is infinitely exalted and transcendent above nature is far loftier than the Eastern thought, right? The Western world looked back, the Greeks, they looked back at this and they said that their gods that they had were very powerful gods, but they were also petulant. You know, they were, they were flawed. They made mistakes, very powerful. And we, we studied those things in school in Greek mythology and whatnot. But the Hebrew God was absolutely utterly holy, absolutely holy, so holy that Jews would not speak his name, so holy they wouldn't write down his name, the letters, utterly holy compared to the Western gods, utterly transcendent compared to the Eastern understanding of God. So into history steps the Lord Jesus Christ. But even today, Jewish people, many Jewish people say, you know, no Jewish person would ever say that he was God. Nobody would say this kind of thing. And these are the, the last people on the face of the earth that could ever grant that a human being would become God. It's too holy, too transcendent. But that's my point. See, you've made my point. And what I want to say, it's a simple fact in history. Thousands of people, Jews in Jerusalem and Judea, were believing and worshiping somebody. And that somebody was Jesus. Jesus Christ. So here's my question as I look at this. What could have possibly brought this about? What could have possibly brought this about? There were lots of messiahs back then, they just, you know, from one village to another, but no one who claimed this. No one. There's a, there's a, there's a footprint here in history. There's a huge footprint here. 
What caused thousands of Jewish people and thousands of people from that day forward to believe that somebody was God? Somebody was God. These were people back then who understood God in a biblical way, transcendent, holy, right? Somebody said, I am. Somebody said, I am. Somebody did it, and we have to look at it. And, and, and for me, as I look at all of Scripture, this in my mind is the seminal statement of Jesus Christ. The seminal statement. Everything revolves around this in terms of theology and understanding Christ. So first I want to look at the nature of the claim, I am the way. Then I want to look at the uniqueness of the claim, no one comes to the Father except through me. So first, the, the, the nature of the claim. Jesus claims extremity. He's extreme. He claims this, you know. I'm, extremity means the furthest point. It's, it's the limit of something. It's beyond your thinking. It's extreme. I am. His claim is extreme. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus, you see a man who just, you, you, you see lots of humility and no modesty. You know what I'm saying? Lots of humility, no modesty. Here's what I mean by that. And you'll see it when I say it. His actions were unbelievably humble. He was so tender with people. He was so loving, so gentle with the sleepy disciples kind to the prostitutes, approachable to children, would run to him and flock to him, weeping in sympathy with those who were in difficulty, incredibly humble in his actions. But his words, no modesty at all. His words, cut, are hard. He's always pushing always pushing the envelope, always, always bringing up I am, always bringing it up, always saying it, always pushing the religious leaders, always pushing the people. Example of this, Martha's brother, you remember Lazarus is dead, and she says to Jesus, if you were here, he wouldn't have died, but I know he's going to be resurrected in that great day of resurrection. And what does he say? I am the resurrection. He doesn't say, I point to the resurrection. I'm the resurrection. In Mark 2, Jesus heals the man on the Sabbath, and the religious leaders are going crazy here. They say, you can't do that on the Sabbath. What does Jesus say? I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I don't point to the Sabbath I'm the source of, I'm the author of eternal Sabbath rest. I am. I am. The Eastern and the Hebrew wisdom literature that leads us to this in the Gospel of John, they talk about wisdom as being a yoke. A yoke is teachings. It's the yoke of the rabbis. This is my yoke. Put on my yoke. Put on my, my teachings. And they would frame it like this. Put the yoke of wisdom on you. Put the burden of wisdom on you. Jesus says, 
come to me. Take my yoke, my teachings on you. Learn of me, for my burden is light. What's he saying? He doesn't say, I point to wisdom. He says, I'm wisdom, my yoke, my burden, my, 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 my. It's extreme. It's astounding. If someone says, if, if a pastor, or and, and pastors have done this. You know, we go back to Jim Jones. You all remember him that took all these people over to Africa and had them all drink Sinai. You know, I, I'm your leader. I'm your leader. I want you to die for me. I want you to die for me. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to give everything that you have, your all, for justice, for love, for life, for truth. And you say, okay, but what if he comes to you and says, I want you to die for me? For me? What if I said that? I want you to die for me. Here is a man who actually says, I am truth. I am life, I am justice, I am love, you must die for me. If some guy said that today, we'd consider him dangerous, a nut. A nut. He's mad, bad, or a combination of the two. Ah, idiot. Idiot. Jesus is extreme. Absolute claims. He's always trying to knock us off dead center. You know, the average person in this country, and I know what the polls say, you know, like you, I read all these things. They like Jesus, but they don't like the church. You people are not very likable. <laughs> like Jesus, but don't like the church. Dr. George Vanderlip was a, a, my professor in the Gospel of John in school. He's a good friend of my father's, actually. He went to school with my dad. And, uh, and I have his book that he wrote at home on the Gospel of John. And in the, as I was looking at it this week, on this passage of Scripture, he was speaking to this, and he, and he made this statement, which is interesting to me. And I wrote it down then, and I'm delivering it to you today. He says, everything Jesus does in the Gospels shows he was relentlessly trying to avoid people liking him. So here, here it is. What Jesus is saying, if you have any intellectual integrity, you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to push you to the extremes. Either you reject me because what I'm saying is worse than anything anyone has ever said, or you're going to accept me because it's the best thing that anybody has ever said. But you can't like me. I won't let you like me. People say, well, we like Jesus, but we don't think much about the church. What's so bad about the church? Well, we're hypocrites. <laughs> we're incompetent. We're boring. You know. How can you like Jesus and not like the church? Well, you're not listening to Jesus and what Jesus has to say. He tells us in the scripture. On Palm Sunday, remember? Jesus went out of his way to make sure people proclaimed him as king. 
went out of his way. I mean, the, the, the donkey, everything. It was, it was messianic. It was prophecy. Coming in, he did everything to make people proclaim his king as he rode in. But the religious leaders, in, they're in a difficult place now. They're looking at that. They're listening to the people. They had to admit he was king like everyone else, or they had to destroy him. They had to destroy him. Jesus pushed that narrative, and Jesus pushes it today to us. To anybody who's seeking him, Jesus says the same thing he said in Jerusalem. Crown me or kill me. Crown me or kill me. I am the resurrection. I am wisdom. I am Sabbath. I am life. I am truth. Either that's right and you have to adore me or it's wrong and you have to destroy me. But how dare you, how dare you like me with reservation? How dare you? How dare you like me more than the church? You think the church is bland, incompetent, boring, hypocritical? That's nothing compared to how bad I am unless I'm telling you the truth. You see it? You see it? It's extreme. It's extreme. Secondly, Jesus proclaims, promises intimacy. I am the way. The way to what? Well, we've, we talked about that last week. I am the way to come to the Father. I'm, I'm telling you, this is just pure theology. I'm the way to come to the Father. Look, look carefully. What's he actually saying? What is he actually saying? Is he saying, without me, you can't know anything about God? You can't be wise, you can't be good, you can't know any truth? That's not what he's saying. I mean, just pure scripture. It's not what he's saying. Uh, what he says is, I'm just, I am the only way to come to the Father. Let that stand alone. It's the promise of intimacy with the Father. I'm the only way for you to know the Father. Now listen, I'm the only way to change God from a boss into a father. I'm the only way to turn your relationship with God, if you have one, from fear and uncertainty to absolute confidence, warmth, and love. I'm the only way. Growing up, my, uh, my kids knew that if they said they were going to be home at 10 o'clock and they weren't, I'd be upset. But they weren't worried that I was going to disown them and fire them as my kids. I wanted to. <laughs> they knew, and I knew, that they hadn't even begun to plumb the depths of what parents will do if their children are in trouble. It scares me sometimes when I think about this to, 
think about how far I would go if I had to, to save my child. If a child is dropped into the icy waters of a river, even the most incompetent parents, they don't even, in goes the parents. Don't even think about it. Can't swim, don't, in goes the parent, right? Jesus says, when you look at my life, my life, my death, it's the only way to know how God feels about you. That God the Father would go into the icy waters, unbelievable extremes of suffering for you. That's where we go to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Extreme. Sent his son to die. Cruel death. Extreme. But people say, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. Only through Jesus, he says, can you meet the Father. Well, what about a good Muslim or a good, uh, good Buddhist or a good person who's not a believer? Jesus says, fine, compare. Fine. You want to compare? Compare. I'm telling you, he said, I'm telling you that I am the Son of God and I came to earth. My Father sent me. I came. I lost the Father and I took all hell into my soul so we wouldn't lose you so that I could bring you together with me. I was punished. I paid the penalty. I paid the sin. I paid the debt. I did that. I suffered. There's not a single, listen to me, there's not a single other religion anywhere that would ever dare say that God suffered. I challenge you. He loves you. That's what they want. God loves you. God's not going to suffer. Come on, man. Come on, man. No other religion would ever claim anything like this. Jesus is saying, I am who I say I am. And if I am, then I'm absolutely the only way all the way home to the Father. I'm the only way. I'm the only way. I'm the only way. It's amazing. It's amazing. His claims demand extremity. It's extreme. They promise intimacy. And then thirdly, and this is where we see the whole thing come together. It's the key to the whole thing. Jesus claims professed divinity. Divinity. He says, I am truth. I am the truth. He doesn't say, I point to the truth. There's a remarkable place in Matthew 23. I'm not sure what the verse was, where Jesus casually says, I keep sending you prophets and wise men. Right? I keep sending you prophets and, and wise men. What's he saying? What's he saying? I keep, I keep sending you prophets. He's saying, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a wise man. I'm not one of the great founders. I'm not a great sage. I'm not a guru. Over the centuries, every one of them points to me. I keep sending them to you. I send them to you. Over the centuries, every one of them has come and they pointed to me 
Some of you have met some of them. And some of these prophets, some of these teachers do very well. Some do very poorly, some partially. But he says, every guru, every sage, every wise person, every prophet, everybody, I sent them and they point to me. It all comes to me. Now, when he says that, I want you to realize the background of John 1 that we talked about weeks ago. In the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that word at that time, Logos, was a loaded word. And we don't think about it because we, you know, we don't use it. We just talk about the Word, the Logos. Because the philosophers of the time, the Greeks, for years were looking for a reason, a purpose for life. And that's what Logos was, the reason for life. And they said, well, well, you don't understand something until you know what it's for. It's purpose. You don't understand until you know the purpose of life. My favorite illustration of this is if you see somebody trying to cook a meal on a, an electric uh, uh, a space heater, you know, and, uh, you know, we've seen some of this in Texas where houses went up in flames and whatnot just recently. And we say, you know, stop doing that. You're going to burn the house down. Don't do that. That's not, you know, why? Why? Because the logos of the space heater, it wasn't built for that. It's not its purpose. Not its purpose. Therefore, you don't know how to use it. The Greeks understood this. They understood it. How do you know what's right and what's wrong? How do you live? How do you know how to live? What's important? What's unimportant? What's your logos? How have you been purposed? Uh, what's your reason for being? What were you built for? That's what all this is swirling around. And at the time of John's gospel, the philosophers had pretty much broken down. You know, they, 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 the intellectuals were saying, well, there's no meaning in life. We can't find meaning in life. There is no truth. It's not there. It's just not there. And that's exactly what's being said today. Absolute truth? No. My truth. Their truth, your truth, this truth, that absolute? Eh. No. No. Then John drops the bomb. And here's what the bomb is. It's not just true in intellectual history. It's also true in personal history. You say, I have to have something to live for. I have to have truth. I have to have something that's the bottom line. So you choose something. And people do a lot of choosing today about different things, whatever, Green New Deal, environment, some social, some political things or whatever, or it could be you know, for, for justice in a general way, a moral life. The point is everybody, everybody has to have a truth. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. <laughs> whatever truth you choose... It can't love you. It can't love you. Whatever it is you decide you're going to live for, it will tyrannize you. 
It can't hug you. It can't forgive you. It can only demand. It can only pull from you. And you will eventually be destroyed because any truth, any truth living for, we're all going to fall. We're all going to fall. And when you fall, and you can't lift yourself up, you can't pick yourself up, you can't wipe away your tears, it's a thing. That truth is a thing. It's an abstraction. It's an abstraction. And do you know what we do? <laughs> you can follow this like night follows day. We get rid of the idea of truth. And we try to find love. Everything's about love. Love, 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 love. Everything's about love. So we turn to people and we turn to friends and peer groups or romance or, or sex. Everything's about that. And, 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 but, but even here we find the truths, they let us down. They disappoint us because they can't love us, really. We turn to our loves and we think, now I've finally found the person of my dreams. But eventually we get destroyed because just as truth can't love us, our loves aren't truth. They're flawed. They're just like us. They're, we disappoint people. I disappoint people. They're just like us. You're looking for somebody less flawed than you, but it's almost impossible. <laughs> you know? You find them, they let you down, or they lie to you, or they're not there for you when you need them, and you get hurt. Do you see why people have gotten rid of truth? They're cynical about love. John says in the first chapter again, he says, in the beginning was the word. There was the logos. There's the purpose. It did exist. And it became flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Now here's the bomb. Here's the bomb. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is philosophical dynamite. This is where all scripture comes. Philosophical dynamite. No other religion would ever dare. Jesus says the truth has become a person. The absolute has become the particular. The infinite has become finite. A flesh and blood person. The truth has become someone who can love, who can hug, who can forgive. Think about it. Like Christmas is what it's all about. You have finally a love, a truth that is absolute. A truth that can love you, and it's the only truth that can possibly forgive you. You see that? It's what you were built for. It's what you're built for. All other truths will never be able to hold you up because this is the truth to which all those truths point. Any other love you go after will let you down. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. I don't point to the truth. I am the truth. We see this, right? This is what he's saying here. 
Now, now let's go to the end of this. Is I am the, the way, I'm the truth, and then the life, the life. I am the life. And only a word on this, and I'll let you go. When people hear the scriptures and what I've just proclaimed this morning, they say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that I have to admit somehow I'm a sinner so that then I'll be moved and when I see God, and God will, you know, that God actually suffered for me and that's the only way I'm going to find him? You know that he's not a boss, he's a father? That's all? That's what, that's, that's what I have to do? That, that he, I, I, that I'm going to see God as, as cold-hearted and tell this, that, that, that I, have to, I have to say I'm a sinner? I have to kind of, in a sense, sort of, and you say, boy, I, this is going to take a lot of strength. Jesus says, don't worry. I'm not just giving you a blueprint. I am life. I am life. I'm not just telling you what to do. I'll come inside. I'll come inside. I will regenerate you. I will reach, if you reach out and grab me, if you reach out and grab me, I will come in and I will change you. I will transform you. I'm not just truth. I'm life. I am. Here's the simplicity of it. Jesus doesn't say, I point to the way. Jesus doesn't say that at all. Every founder of every other religion, you go do this, you go do this, here are the things you've got to follow, here's the things you've got to do, and you'll find God. He says, I, I am the way. I am the way. I've been taught this all my life. My parents, theologically, seminary, over the years, in ministry, being a pastor, I've seen people who decide they want God, they want God, so they come to church. Got to go to church. And they start to read their Bibles, and they say, I'm going to, I'm going to live like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I'm doing everything he says. I'm going to follow all the rules, his example. What you're doing is making him just like every other founder of every other religion. And I'm going to tell you what, he'll crush you. He'll crush you if you do that. He says, I didn't come to show you how to strive. I did the striving. I didn't come to show you a mountain of righteousness that you have to climb. I climbed it. I climbed it. I didn't come to show you how to live a perfect life and die a death. I lived the life that you should have lived. I died the death that you should have died. Grab me. Grab me. Reach out and say, Father, love me, accept me because of what Jesus did, and you're there. And you're there. I am the way. I am the life. I am. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. And Christianity is Christ. (laughs) It's Christ. The gospel is not instruction It's proclamation. It's an announcement. 
It's a proclamation to the world. The gospel doesn't say do. The gospel says it's done. It's done. And the last thing, and I hope you see this, in the first part of the verse, if Jesus is who he says he is, he doesn't fit in as just another way among many. And that's what we hear today. Oh, it's just one way. There's a lot of ways to God. He doesn't fit in as one way among many. He can't. He can't. He's either the only way or he's something that should be rejected as being very bad because he doesn't fit in. And that's why he says no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ says to Christians, to his church, look what he says to Philip down in verse 9. He says, you've been around me a long time and you don't know me. You don't know me. Intimacy with God is what he died for. Intimacy with God is what all of history is all about, what the universe is about. Intimacy with God is what the cross is about. It's what he suffered and died for. Christians have access. We have access. Do you sense the love? Do you know him? You know him? Everything is for that. Are you like Philip? You're around Jesus. You've been around Jesus all your life. And Jesus says, you're around me, Philip, but you don't know. Please, please, please look at him until you see, okay? Look at him. Look at what we have as Christian people. You can know the Father, God, through him. Find purpose for your life. Intimacy with a heavenly father. You know, we sing that song we're going to close with, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. When I'm alone, when I need, I need you, give me Jesus. When I die, give me Jesus. You can have this whole world, but give me Jesus. The, 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 the truth is, if you have Jesus, you have the world. All these things are ours. Um, my dad, when he died, as far as I know, he didn't take anything with him. My mom, when she died, as far as I know, didn't take anything of this world with him. But they did take Jesus and run to Jesus. They had the Lord when they died. And that makes all the difference in the world. It means everything. No one comes to the Father. Jesus says, except through me. Father, we're thankful for this scripture. We hope that it's that which just uh, thrills us, energizes us as Christian people, calms us where we need to be calm, that, to realize that this God has done all this for us because of his great love. He sent his son into the icy waters of this world because he loved us so much to save us. And we pray today, our Father, that uh, you would just that this, this, this just thrills our hearts when we read these, these scriptures. And certainly this, this scripture. Uh, 
Nobody comes except through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.